I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, friends. I am actor, comedian, and podcaster Dulce Sloan. And if you aren't subscribed to the Watch Less podcast or that Black Ass Show podcast, you ain't shit and you ain't never gonna be shit. There, I said it. Ha <laughs> ha. You can put that on your hot wings. So get your like together and subscribe to that black ass show and the Watch Less podcast. Bye. Welcome back to Watch Less, Complex's podcast about movie and TV culture. It's your boy Cal, deputy editor here at Complex for the Pop Culture Channel. Fraser Tharp, the summer man, is not in the building again. Special episode to put this one together. Enjoying some other podcasts. One of them, if you're a fan of TV and movies, especially in regards to a black entertainment, should be checking out Dulce Sloan's at Black Ass Show. Uh, it's a dope show every week. They pick her and a guest pick a, a movie or a TV show and they just talk about the, the blackness of it. They, they get into different themes and, you know, what they like, what they didn't like, what worked and maybe didn't work and how those conversations, you know, lead off in those directions. She's also like, the last like five years of her life have been amazing. She's, uh, you know, been a correspondent for The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. Um, she's on stand up for Comedy Central. She's acting. She's she's doing voice work. She's on uh, The Great North as well as the recently announced Chick Fight, which will be hitting theaters and VOD this November. Um, We get into a lot here, everything from, you know, just being black-ass people in America to her influences everything. So we're going to get into an, a great conversation with Dulce Sloan after this break. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Dulce Sloan, welcome to the Watch List Podcast. How you doing? Uh, we out. We in here. So apparently they're doing construction in my building, which makes sense because I have to do stuff. Right, right. And someone's directly in front of my door spackling the roof. And I was like, oh, geez. Yeah, this is what this is back spackling the ceiling. I was like, yeah, this is what I need when I'm sitting up uh, recording podcasts and TV shows and stuff. So. Well, talk, talk about that. I mean, because you, you've been very active during quarantine. Uh, you know, it seems like the podcast pretty much sprung up right as, as quarantine started, right? It was nuts because, like, that was the time we had for it to come out anyway. Right. And mm. then, because we did, like, a few episodes in February. And then mm. after I'd gotten back, because I'd been shooting a movie in Puerto Rico. And then right. it was like we weren't even back for, like, a month. And it was like, okay, everybody go home forever. Right. And I was like, and I called my producer and I was like, 
listen, you know all those people that we were trying to book because they were busy? She's like, yeah. Mm-hmm. I was like, I think their schedule just opened up. Right, right, So right, from right. like March to July, mm-hmm. I recorded like two podcasts a week. Wow, that's awesome. That's two awesome. Two or three. So, mm-hmm. and some people were like, hey, I'm just glad to be here. I'm just glad to be here. I'm glad to be doing something. <laughs> so I was like doing the cartoon and then doing mm-hmm. Daily Show and doing the podcast. And right. I started doing this thing for E called uh, 10 Things You Don't Know About Your Favorite Celebrities. So there was that. And my manager was like, you're the hardest working client that I have right now in quarantine. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I was like, yeah, man, because I thought I'd just be chilling. But nah, dog, I'm definitely working <laughs> every day. Because this news is so new and because of who you are, I wanted to get your take on, uh, you know, recently photos came out from uh, the, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air reunion taping. And I want to know, Dulce Sloan, what was your thought when you saw the shot of Will Smith and Aunt Viv, Janet Hubert? What, what was your thought when you saw the two of them mid-conversation, or, you know, that quick snapshot? Well, when I saw, it was confusing because, like, when I saw, like, the cast sitting on the couch. Right. It was light-skinned Aunt Viv. <laughs> but then I saw him talking to dark-skinned Aunt Viv. I'm just like, well, how come she wasn't... With the cast. In the pic? Did we not... Oh. Right. Oh, because we... so we're not going to act like there was two Beckys? We're not going right. to do that? <laughs> we're not going to act like they... there was two Aunt Vivs? Roseanne did a whole episode where they they had the, the, the... They were having dreams about the old Becky, and she came in the episode and everything. They say they she's, the same, she's not the same. They say she's the same, but she's not the same. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm right. talking about. Also, I don't think people realize how much black people mess with, like, fuck with Roseanne. No, for real. That was my mom's favorite show. When it was on ABC, when it went into syndication, all of that, I yeah. loved Roseanne. I don't right. think people knew how much, I mean, if Roseanne knew, she probably wouldn't have said nothing racist. Facts. But Big facts. Big facts. I loved watching Roseanne. And the episode I always remember is when they couldn't pay, she had to pick which bill to pay. Right, right. And she was like, what you do is when you send the envelope back to the power company, you don't seal it. Right. And then they could be like, oh, I tried to pay, the check fell out. Right, and I just, right. I remember thinking, as I got older, I was like, how many power companies got empty envelopes <laughs> after this aired? So I, I think we might have been the only black people that made it through part of the. I, I've not watched most of season two, but I made it through season one. I I, I had to see, you know, what they did and, and going through the end of Roseanne and things like that just to see what they did to the show. Lori Metcalf is still giving you. Right. Genius. Right. She's giving right. you greatness. She always has. And like the cool thing is like I liked. I mean, a lot of people like to shit on the show, but I liked Big Bang Theory mm-hmm. and. It was interesting because on Big Bang Theory, Lori Metcalf played Sheldon's mom. Right, right. And then the spinoff, mm-hmm. her daughter played young Sheldon's mom. Oh, uh, okay. I was like, wow, 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 wow. Loving this, That's loving this. Are you big in the CBS? I, I, I think that show. Okay, well, okay. also, I mean, and Star Trek Discovery and Picard. Because okay. Picard was great. Star Trek Discovery, I tried to get into it until they messed with the Cleons, and I was like, you motherfucker. Because <laughs> one of the dreams of my life is to be a Cleon in a Star Trek movie. But not these <laughs> new J.J. Abrams weird Cleons, uh, like the aliens from the movie Alien. I'm talking about Worf. Okay? Mm. <laughs> just put, Worf. Some ex- put some extra shit on me. Don't don't make me too crazy. No, don't make me nuts. Just put the thing on my forehead. Give me a nice, <laughs> uh, nice you know, body wave weave. 
and let me right. go on about my business. Then we get the outfit like the Baylor sisters where they got the titties hanging out, but just on the side. And let me go to war, man. Don't give me this whole get up that y'all got. And then the other thing that made me so mad about when they brought Discovery back was mm. it was like the Cleon that was supposed to be saving everybody was some albino Cleon. And I was like, you white people gotta be kidding me. Right. It's a whole race of brown people. Race. Right. A whole race. Everybody yeah. brown. Everybody yeah. brown. Mm-hmm. And you done brought them back and then the sa- the one who's supposed to save, the one who's supposed to change the campaign is an albino. You mu- <laughs> we can't, can't have nothing. Can't have nothing. Let me drink my water before I get mad. Let right. me drink my water before I get mad because y'all piss me off. Oh, I was so, oh, I was so pissed. Can you talk about the inception of, of, of that black ass show? Like, what was it just your love of television or what specifically, where, where did you happen upon this idea? I was meeting with Starburn Podcast Network about mm-hmm. an idea that I had. Some idea, we were pitching them ideas and Judith Carbo, who's one of the producers over at Starburn, she was like, well, actually, can I pitch you something? I was like, sure. We're mm-hmm. in a meeting. <laughs> and she pitched me that idea and I was like, great, I love it, run it. Right. Because I thought it was something, because, you know, there's so many shows and movies that black people talk about, but we don't know, you know, it's me as a black person, the movie that I love, is that a movie that you love? Is that significant for you? Right. So, so Judith came up with the idea and, you know, she was a newer producer at Starburns mm. and they were like, well, you know, we're going to give you, and I was like, no, 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 no. She has to do this. Cause she's a black woman right. and I was like, one, this is her idea mm-hmm. Two, she's black. Right. So she has to be the producer on there. And like, well, she's new. I was like, you can partner her with someone else. Yeah. Yeah. To, you know, to help show her the ropes or whatever. Cause she's new, you know, mm. but I'm not working with anybody. If she's not on here, I'm not doing it. Right. Right. And that's right. basically what I said. And so she's the producer. But the thing that I added was, um, the black ass confession part. Okay. It was okay. my idea because I do know that as a uh, black person walking in nature in America, that there are certain things that you have to see. There's certain things that you have to know. Mm-hmm. And like I say at the beginning, every black ass confession, my example is always, I have not seen baby kids or baby boy. I can understand one or not, but not the other. Like I can understand not seeing baby's kids. Cause especially like if, if you're a person of a certain age or if you were, if you didn't have HBO, right. you might not have been able to see it. But like baby boy, baby boy might be on BET right now. It could be, and it has been, and I always change the channel. Wow, just just no 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 care for Tyrese in that role. Listen, our time on Earth is finite, <laughs> and you never know when the end's gonna come. Right, right. And I can't spend my time on Earth watching Tyrese act. I can't. I can't. Or whatever he calls it. Right, and somebody right. was like, that's messed up. And I was like, look at the Fast and Furious movies. Facts, have you noticed facts. that as they have progressed, Tyrese has spoken less and less and less. Right, right. So that means that he's being outacted by Vin Diesel. <laughs> which is facts. Which is, it's absolute facts. Which is fact. I'm not, I am not your enemy here. I'm just <laughs> giving you facts. Look at the words per movie that they gave Tyrese in the first one. And mm. now they're on what? 174. Right. Is he, is he nodding by this point? <laughs> Pay attention to your surroundings. I'm not your enemy here. Tyrese is your enemy. Don't be mad at me. 
Be mad at his career. I'm just being an asshole. I don't care about Tyrese, but I know I don't want to watch him act. <laughs> so it's either black movies you haven't, black movies or TV shows you haven't seen, or black things you cannot do. Like for instance, I am not good at spades because y'all right. have to remember, no one teaches anybody how to play fucking spades. You just sit there for long enough and then you get it. It right. clicks. I know what book. I know what the books are. I don't know what you do. I always renege. I don't know why it's called that. I don't know what the fuck I just did. All I know is I was wrong, and there are three niggas who are very mad at me. Screaming at you. That's why I don't play. My mom, because my, my mom is one of the worst people when it comes to playing games, and uh, we're going to play spades. I'm going to go upstairs. I, there's probably a game or something I can watch or play or something. I'm not dealing with it. I don't do it. I don't, to this day, I, I don't even want to bother. My family's from Miami, so do you imagine a bunch of Miami niggas being mad? Right. <laughs> At a barbecue. Right, right. It's already hot. We've been out here all day. We don't know where the kids are. You don't care. You're playing space. Okay? Right. You got your beverage. All of y'all have been drinking brown liquor or and gin for some reason. I don't know right. why niggas start drinking gin. It's disgusting. It tastes yeah. like Christmas trees. What are we doing? It's gross. So you out here drinking brown liquor and gin, and now you're in a heated card game. Y'all. I'm going outside. I did the little dance. I came in. I did the little dance. I'm a, I did the dance. That's all I'm required to do as a child at this barbecue. I do the dance and I watch the other children to make sure that none of us die. Right. And I'm going to let you adults have this fight. But I don't remember anyone ever being taught. But reneging, you'll flip a table. Somebody's pit. And I'm just like, this game is just. <laughs> like you said, we don't know when our last days are. So we, we, we there's better things we could be doing with our time. You're there's right. There's better things I could be doing than arguing with an uncle that I only see once a year anyway. It's always that uncle. I don't know if uncle. he's even related to me. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the black ass confession because I wanted to flip that a little bit. I don't want to I don't want to jack your style, but do I, you have I, one? I I, I will give you a black I will give you a black ass confession if you give me and it's it's funny because I'm in in researching you seeing how much white entertainment you take in I wonder do you have yeah. a white ass confession is there like a piece of white entertainment that everybody loves that you've never watched or can't, don't want to take the time out for whatever reason I don't like the Beatles mmm wow wow I can see that I can't do a whole Beatles album I can't do a whole Beatles song wow wow. I respect Because I remember I... One, one of them, I think it was what, George Harrison, one of them died when I was in college because Ringo and Paul McCartney are still alive. Right. So right, George right. Harrison died. And one mm -hmm. of the girls I went to college with, she was just bawling. Like people were, she was inconsolable. And mm -hmm. I, you know, and I walked up with all of my blackness at 19. I was like, what's wrong? I think her name was like Emily Grace or something, something like that. Maybe it was Emily right. Grace. I remember. And I was like, what's wrong with her? And she was like, they were like, George Harrison died. And I was like, who? Mm. I was like, is that your uncle? Oh, wow. <laughs> Who's George Harrison? Wow. And she goes, what? I was like, who is this man? You're very distraught. And she's right. like, one of the Beatles. And I was like, did you know him? She's like, no. And I was like, <laughs> why are you crying? Right, right. You don't know him. And she's like, you don't know the impact. And I was like, okay, have a nice night. Yeah, we I was like, I was walking up to a party. I was like, I don't have time for this girl to be crying over some nigga she ain't met. Like my homeboy said, they ain't never text me. Right, so, <laughs> right, right, right. 100%. But also, it's not significant. Like, it wasn't a significant to me. Because I understand the public figures can be very significant to people's lives. I completely understand that. Right. But to the fact that the part that people are inconsolable, I don't know about that. 
But no, my white is white confession is um I'm not a fan of the Beatles or Seinfeld. I I, I I'm I've only watched one episode of Seinfeld. That was uh, the finale. I'm okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You a fan of Curb? No. Okay. It's just okay. that makes there sense. are certain levels of uh whiteness that I can't access sometimes. Like the right. office. Because I grew up watching a lot of British TV too. Mm, okay, yes. Yeah. And mm. so I was like, well, I don't like the American office. Let me try the British office. And the British office was more boring than the American office. I was like, nigga, I think I'm out. I think I'm out. I think I'm out. It's just it's a small group, but there there are people that just aren't here for the office at all. It surprises people because there's so many people that are into it, but yeah, but I this is the other thing. I've also worked in a lot of offices. Right, right. You can't talk to people like this. You can't act like there was so much going on. And mm. I was just like, this would not fly. It's anyway. very absurd, yeah. Very, it's very, very, very absurd. Very, but there's a certain level of there's a certain level of absurd comedy that I can't you're asking me to suspend my disbelief to a level where it's just outrageous. Right, right. Because I like I like my comedy to be somewhat based in some type of reality. Right. But right. we've just gone so far left, and I'm like, yo, man, slap that dude. This ain't real life. <laughs> or or get <laughs> HR. Like what? Like like this. Toby at least needs to be fired all or something. Can be fixed. All this can be fixed. I mean, hit him, 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 and her. HR, yeah. run this shit. Why are y'all <laughs> dealing with this nonsense? I did want to give a black ass confession. While I know it's bad, I I have never taken the time to at least watch Soul Plane all the way through. I have again no. I've seen clips. It look it, it looked like a big ass plane. I don't know. I I don't know. I don't know the premise of the movie. I know Kevin Hart's in it. I chose to watch stuff that came out from him later and not deal with Soul Plane. Honestly, I only watched Soul Plane till recently because someone who's going to be a guest. Uh, pick Soul Plane, mm-hmm. and they had to reschedule. But Soul Plane, it's better than you think it'll be. Really? Yeah. Because the because it's like you know a lot of times with those movies like you get because it's like sometimes it's like films and then there's movies. This right. is a movie. Right. Right. And you know a lot of times when you're dealing with like certain movies, the plot gets kind of muddy. Mm-hmm. And it was like, because the thing is, once we got on this plane, we were on this plane, and everything we're dealing with is on the plane. Like, there was no extra stuff. Right. It was, okay, Kevin Hart's character won a bunch of money. He started his own airline, black-ass airline. Right. Great. Cool. Fine. And then silly stuff be happening on the plane. And then, like, Tom Arnold and his family, something happens, and so they have to end up taking this plane. But it was really interesting because it was like, when you get back to the economy section, there's literally lockers in the overhead compartment. So you just can't open it. You got somebody's like, hey, anybody got a quarter? And so you literally have to put the coin in, Jeez. turn the knob, take the key out, put your stuff up there. And then there's just one part in the back of the plane where you're just standing. <laughs> where it's just like if you're on a bus or just standing on yeah, just like, yeah, yeah. On yes, this makes train, sense. Yeah. And then there's a nightclub on the upper floor. And there's a jacuzzi, all of it, and I'm just like, all of this makes sense. Black people, it would it would be if 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 someone just wanted to ball the fuck out all the way, right? Because like the the because the first class was amazing, and mm-hmm. there was different flight attendants for first class, and you know they got very young Sofia Vergara and mm-hmm. some other girls, and yet all it all makes sense. Okay. 
it actually it actually for what they're doing makes sense you know and having like and when like Lonnie Love and Monique were at the TSA messing mm. with him it's still like yeah we've been to TSA these are the ladies of TSA right like right. honestly it's ridiculous but it actually had a solid plot mm. okay it had a way more it had a way more solid plot than Poetic Justice I can tell you that right now. When you, I, I thought it was dope that you started the podcast. The first thing you talked about on there is Martin. It's a show that I love. It was was that was, was that a thing that you wanted to make sure was up front? You know, a, a discussion about Martin. No, it's just the first one we recorded. Got you, got you, got you. Were Were you a fan of that show? How How, how much did you love Martin when you were a, a kid? Oh, Martin was great. I still remember. Shinene was one of my favorite characters. Honestly, Broadman was just the man I was looking for in the world because. <laughs> Broman was gorgeous. I don't know if anybody knows from the fifth floor for four fingers. <laughs> Honestly, like him climbing through in a snowstorm, like his like the character was just so great, and the work that Martin did was great. And right. it was my first interview with one of my best friends, Derek Gaines, who we now have <laughs> matching tattoos, idiot. <laughs> well, got the first anyway. So, but Martin was the reason he wanted to become a stand-up comic. Mm-hmm. and wanted to become a performer because he said he remembers watching his mom watch Martin and had never seen her laugh that hard. Right. And he was like, I want to be able to do that. That's dope. And so like that TV show, like he watches it in reruns all the time. Like I called him during the quarantine. We were on the phone. He was half paying attention to me. And I was like, you watching Martin? He's like, yeah. I was like, I'll call you back. <laughs> <laughs> he's seen every episode a million times and he still watches it like it's, a brand new thing but right. yeah because it's like if you look at you know all of the acting especially with tisha campbell and tashina arnold mm-hmm. and it's in martin's character work because you know there's a lot of these you know there's a lot of you know comics and male comics like i ain't putting on a dress i ain't putting on a dress right but when he played like mama pain it didn't feel like it was just a dude in a dress right and it was like Shanene was very developed because, you know, Shanene was supposed to be like, you know, Pam and Gina used to try to look down on Shanene, but Shanene on a business. Yeah, she was popping. And they add, you know, when Gina, I think something happened where Gina had to go work for Shanene mm-hmm. to make some extra money. She had to get her hair all done and stuff. She saw that, you know, Shanene really was, you know, a real businesswoman who had a real right. business going. Mm-hmm. So I think that was really great because it kind of broke that. I don't know if it did it and it had a lasting impact, but it kind of changed your perspective of, you know, that quote unquote hood chick, mm-hmm. you know, cause when you think of, when they always think of like, you know, Shanae's and Shaniqua's and all that other stuff, they act like those women aren't contributing. Right. right. That those women don't have any value. Mm-hmm. And this woman that you look down on cause you had your corporate job, you had to go to her for, you know, you had to go work for her for money. Mm-hmm. because you had fucked up right. so you know i th- i hope that it changed people's perspective on how they see that particular type of black woman because it's mm-hmm. you know just because i speak like this and i dress like this doesn't mean that i'm an uneducated person right. doesn't mean that i can't run a business there's always the old trope of doing this thing is acting white doing that thing is acting white Right. And it seems like the things that can make you successful a lot of times are kind of thrown under this umbrella of acting white. Mm-hmm. And I think it's de- it's very detrimental to us. Yeah. Because yeah. it's like, 
oh, you get good grades. You know, we were talking about poetic justice, me and Jasmine Pierce, mm. you know, and she's mixed race. And she was talking about like just her father's side is black. Mm. And, you know, going to different schools in certain places. I have people say that to me. Oh, you talk white, you act white, da, 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 da. I'm right. like, yeah, cool, 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 cool. Whatever, whatever, whatever. But let's see who makes it out of the head. Right. Because you've accepted this lie. Mm-hmm. And I haven't. Amen. Amen to that, Dulce. You were talking about influences, you know, for, for, for your homie Derek in terms of, you know, getting into comedy. But, you know, what were some influences for you? If not Martin, who would you who would you point to as, as, as some direct influences for you, specific with stand-up? I remember the first stand-up comic I ever saw in my life was Margaret Cho. Mm, wow. Yeah. And that was and I, that was like real deal Margaret Cho, like back in the, in, in the mid-90s. I mean, you know, she's still real deal Margaret Cho today, but this is mm-hmm. like, you know, when she started popping right in the nineties. And I remember Mm -hmm. seeing her on stage and being like, cause I've done, I mean, this is right before I started act like before I started singing and stuff. Mm -hmm. So I remember seeing, cause I remember watching all American girl, her TV show. Remember the first time I saw a stand up comic, the first stand up comic I ever saw in my life was Mark Joe on TV. Mm -hmm. And so it was, and then I like, oh, we have, then we had, you know, because we had cable, but I'm a kid. So I'm only watching like Nickelodeon, Disney Channel, all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. So then I started, you know, and then I got into, let's flip to these other channels. And then I saw Comedy Central and saw other comics. Mm-hmm. But the first comic I ever remember seeing was her. And she's standing, you know, she's doing that big arena in San Francisco. She's on this giant stage and this big curtain behind her. Mm-hmm. And because I, you know, I grew up watching PBS. I'd seen plays on TV, but I'd never really seen. I'd never seen anybody on a stage that big by themselves with no scenery. Like there's nothing. Cause you know, we've all seen a soliloquy or a monologue. Right. Right. You're in costume and then there's scenery and everything. And it was just her in front Mm -hmm. of a closed curtain on this giant stage. And there's all these people. And I was like, Oh, you can do this by yourself. But I didn't understand what stand up was. Cause I was, I was like nine. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. When I got older and was able to see, you know, and really able to learn about it, that was one of the first things I remember getting into stand-up was like, I remember seeing, and when I met Margaret Cho, it was like, ah! Yeah. But you can't do that in real life. Right. Because in my head, I'm screaming, that's Margaret Cho! Ah! But in real <laughs> life, it's, hi, I'm Dulce, nice to meet you. Because right. you can't fan out mm-hmm. when you actually, when I was like, this is a coworker, we're on the same show right now. So her was because one of the early, because I also think it was significant for me for the first stand-up comic I ever see I ever saw was a woman of color. She wasn't mm-hmm. black, but right. it wasn't a white man. You understand? Right. So it's right. like we can do this. Women that aren't non-white, and then I got older and I was like, okay, this is this very white world that I'm seeing, unless I was watching Comic View or something like that. Mm-hmm. But I do think it was significant for me that the first comic I ever saw that I remember seeing was a woman of color, and then when I got older and doing stand-up one of the comics who was very influential to me and also very supportive of me to this day is baron bond okay and he is i don't even know how to describe it he is one of those comics that i always look at him and go i could never write like this yeah because his brain just works in such a way right right i'm just like fuck it Like we were at a festival, we were at uh, this festival in uh, in North Carolina together, and okay. I'm sitting in, I'm actually sitting in the audience. So like I saw him backstage, 
And I think I was like on the show. And then when he came up, me and Rojo Perez mm-hmm. went and sat in the audience. Gotcha. And he had this joke of, uh, he's like, this is uh, my impression of a black woman in the ocean. And he said, what? He's like, this is my impression of a black woman in the ocean. Dead. That's hilarious. <laughs> and I had to put my hand over my mouth. Yeah. Because I was about to scream. And Rojo was like, what? And I was like, I hate him. I hate him. I hate him. So fucking fuck. Right. Who? How is no one ever made right? Like, right. So fucking funny. And then he has this joke, uh, the Sanifaquist joke, because mm-hmm. he was talking about how, like, the origin of names, basically. Okay. And mm-hmm. he was like, "This time, probably the first time somebody named their kid Brian." People were like, "What the fuck's wrong with you? How dare you?" <laughs> ah! And then he was like, "But names all have meaning." Mm-hmm. So he was like, "He's like, what if I just name my child Sanifaquist?" This is before he had kids, but, <laughs> and he was like. You know, and it starts and he's breaking it down and he's like, so Sony, because it's like Sony, because that's what I'm watching. And then it's like, it's like Sony, because that's what I'm watching in the knife, because, you know, like, you know, because I'm chopping broccoli. And then <laughs> I think the last one was like Equus for like a play. Right. And so he goes through all of because it's, ex, you know, Equus is play about, you know, dude with the horses and all that. Right. And so he goes through all of these iterations. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. of what the name could mean and then right, eventually right. it gets to as opposed to I'm watching Chibi chopping a knife and I really like this play mm-hmm. it goes into the name meaning one who can cut through the bullshit ah uh, see I and like it's that. this whole progression when he called me he, we were on the phone he told me about it and I was uh-huh. like I'm so glad I was parked because I was going to wreck my car Right, right. Like you know right. how like the interview that Dolly Parton had when she said when she, the first time she heard Whitney Houston sing "I Will Always Love You," she said she almost ran off the road because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it sounded so amazing. Right, That's how right. I felt when I heard a joke and I was like, I "Fuck, I hate him." <laughs> no, that's him amazing. and then Shalewa Sharp, who started oh. me and her started the same year. Okay, doing stand up together. Starts we started in, doing stand up in two thousand nine. And even though we started at the same time, I always looked at her joke writing and I'm just like, damn, fucking, ha! Because her brain just works so much different than mine. But I just, even though she was, I mean, we were peers, but I would just watch her and go, fuck. Right. Like, I don't think like this. And then just Maria Bamford, because her whole style is just, with her use of voices, her, and then James Adomian. Like, those are the comics, like, when I was first starting that I really looked up to, but Baron, but Baron Vaughn, like, not only has he been him and Open Mike Eagle, mm-hmm. Baron's mm-hmm. not only been supportive as, like, one, he's a comic I look up to, but two, like, now, th- like, this is my brother. You understand? Mm-hmm. Like, and then his, just his style is, so, like, it's just, there's just certain comics where you're just like, fuck, I wish I could write, like, Right, right. What? You just like sometimes I get off stage and I'm like, "What am I doing? What am I doing?" Like I'll be on shows with Shalewa and be like, "What the fuck am I even talking about?" You've got a voice, you know. You're you're 
your journey, especially over the last like, you know, four or five years, really seeing you go from, you know, yeah, oh, shit, that. she wants someone NBC to like, you know, damn, the great north. You've got movies with Alec Baldwin. I'm seeing just popping up in the news the yeah. other day. Like there's a lot it's, going on. It's been very crazy. I uh, I started stand up in 2009. I got my manager in March of 2015. Mm-hmm. And then I quit my day job in November of 2015. Shout out to Gabby Gravilla over at let's uh, over at the uh, Stucco place that I used to work at Word. because I was only supposed to take five days off of work and she let me take thirteen. Oh shit! To That's go do up. festivals and you know go to, mm-hmm. to you know go to the NACAs so I can perform at colleges. Mm-hmm. So she was very very supportive. I also owe her a Mercedes, but she's very very supportive of me. And mm-hmm. you know not everybody has a boss like that. Right, right. Not everybody has someone who, and it was so interesting because like she, we went to the same high school. She mm-hmm. graduated in nineteen ninety. I graduated in two thousand one. Right. And so, because I was able to take the time off, you know, and go to when I got new faces, I had to go. Gabby, can I go to Canada? I just, I just, I got a big deal thing, and she's like, mm-hmm. okay. Or because there's other times like Gabby, I can go to audition. No, you can't go to that. So there uh, was times she would tell me no. Mm-hmm. But she was really, you know, I went to festivals and all kinds of stuff. And so November 2015, I started doing colleges. And I was like, she's like, you can't take any more time off. And I was like, I think I got to quit. She's right. like, you got to quit too. Yeah. And then I quit. And I was like, all right, Jesus, help me. Because right. now I ain't got no job. <laughs> and, you know, I... I got that job and then, you know, Sarah Tiana, you know, who was very influential to me because I used to open for her all the time. And Mm -hmm. when I moved to L.A., she helped me out a lot and Tom Bell. But, yeah, it was I quit working at my day job. And then a month later is when I won Stand Up for Diversity. So I had to move to L.A. and then I did Conan. And then I got Daily Show in like July of 2017. Mm-hmm. So, I was almost two years out of my day job before wow. I got Daily Show, and it's so interesting because people are like it's been a meteoric rise, and I was like, "Hey, man, I just thought I was working." Right. And since right. I just it's on the outside, people can see all of this, and it's like, or a lot of comics are like, "What's it like being a writer on the Daily Show?" I was like, "I don't know. I'm not a writer on the Daily Show." <laughs> uh, they're like, "What?" I was like, "I'm not in the WGA. I'm a correspondent. Right. I'm not a writer." Right. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh. Or it's people like, you know, and it's so interesting that what people's dream jobs aren't your dream jobs, but they, they project that on you. Right. So it was like, we're like, working on your dream job. And I was like, yo, dude, that's writing on the daily shows, your dream job. Mm-hmm. I'm not even doing your dream job. You gotta go talk <laughs> to somebody else, baby. Cause I don't have your dream job. Right. Right. And it's a good job. And it, you know, it's, it's helped me a lot and it's given me so much and, you know, I'm very grateful to, you know, Trevor and to Comedy Central, you know, but looking at, you know, just a fine magnolia, delicate flower. <laughs> and just, you know, seeing like, you know, giving your girl a chance, honestly. Yeah. But it's it's been, it's been crazy. I can mm-hmm. say that. Colleges especially. I remember one time I was on eight planes in 10 days. What? Yeah. And I thought I was going to, I thought, I almost thought I'd go to hospital for exhaustion. Mm-hmm. And... I was talking to my mom, and she was like, you tell your agent you are a thoroughbred, not a workhorse. 
Mm. They can calm down with some of the things they got you doing. Because mm. I would just be, I would literally come off the road and my friend was like, where were you? And I was like, I don't know. Mm. I think I was in Ohio. Mm-hmm. What school did you do? Bitch, you know I don't know. <laughs> like, because like, I mean, like, I think one year, I think the two years that I was doing colleges, I probably did like 50 something schools. Oh, wow. 50. No, I did like 31 years. Something like close to 60 schools. Mm. That's just one show each or were there multiple shows within some of those tours? It's sometimes you would do it like the longest tour I did was I did 13 schools in 14 days in six states mm. in New England. So there was only one night we had off. So I flew into Connecticut. So I flew into New York. My homeboy who opens me in a row, Ben Bergman, he picked me up and then mm. we just were in Connecticut and Maine and Vermont and New Hampshire and, and New Jersey. But it wasn't right. a straight line up. Right. It was, you know, you'd bounce around. So mm-hmm. we would just wake up, get in the car, drive two to five hours, get the hotel, go to the show, maybe get something to eat, come back, wake up the next day, drive two to five. And it was just that for two weeks straight. Right. You learn a lot, though. I mean, I'm. I, I, how are you feeling in terms of like you on stage? Do you feel like that was, you know, some of your most consistently or how did you feel about that as a performer in that? Well, because college shows are so strict with what you can say. Okay. So the set was very tight. Okay. The set was okay. very tight. Some the loosest school I ever went to was like a Jesuit college, and they're like, "You can cuss, you can do. It, we don't care. We have fire." <laughs> I do remember I got to a, a women's college one time because I went to a women's college. I went to Brunel University in Gainesville, Georgia, okay. and I got to this school. And you know, you would ask the schools beforehand, like, "Hey, is there anything I can't talk about or whatever?" Da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. And they and I get the email, and it's like, "You can't talk about race." Mm. and you can't talk about any like body shaming or you can't talk about body and I was like the fuck that was my whole <laughs> that's weird yeah did they not yeah. see me at NACA what? why'd you book me yeah, yeah. why'd you book me I talk, I definitely talked about being black when I did right. NACA and right. I definitely talked about some dude telling me he wanted me to lose weight before he went on a date with me in my NACA set so what the fuck right. are you talking about right. so I get to the school and I said to my homeboy and I was like yeah I'm gonna have a conversation with him about this so I get there and I was like Hey, um, like the dude running like the event or whatever. I was like, hey, uh, is there anything I can talk about? I already knew what the answer was. And I was like, is there anything I shouldn't talk about? And he was like, oh, well, race. And I went, I'm black. And he went, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I understand how you want to talk about that. Wow. Uh, and I was like, anything else? He was like, well, you know, like size or body shape. And I went, I'm fat. And he was like, <laughs> okay, I mean, I wouldn't say, oh, okay, that you talk about. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, let me guess. You've had a bunch of uh, white dudes coming up here shitting on fat women. He was like, yeah. I said, one, I'm a woman. Not going to do that. Two, I went to women's college. Not going to do that. Right. And then the first 20 minutes of my set, I talked about how spanks were trash. Because they will kill. Honestly, they do their job. But sometimes you're like, yo, man, I want to eat and breathe and pee today. Right. So, But you'll be snatched. But your ass won't move. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, so it's like it's little silly shit like that. Or it's mm-hmm. like. You get to the school and I'm like, like one of my first schools, I was just so nervous. And like, you have to be there an hour before the show. Otherwise they won't pay you. Yeah. If you get there 30 minutes before the show, if you get there 40 minutes before the show, so you're not late for the show. Yeah. But if you get there 40 minutes before, they don't have to pay you. What do you do in that hour? Just sit there? I mean. Just, you go to a mic and go test, test, Old Testament, New Testament, and then you fucking sit there. Jesus. And so, because I was going over my set, 
mm-hmm. and not talking to them and entertaining them, the SGA, they emailed my agent, was like, well, she was a bit of a diva. And really? she wanted to talk to us. And I was like, you little motherfuckers. I yeah. was making sure you had a good show. Right. right. It wasn't about me not what. So now I have to entertain you fuckers mm-hmm. and then still do an hour of stand up. Okay. Crazy. All right. Yeah. So it was. It was a lot, yeah, but yeah. now you know can't do no colleges now, baby. But you you've done some stand up since, like the socially distant shows since uh you know people yeah, figured like it the out. Stand uh Chase show, mm-hmm. Petey Debru and Macaulay Lee they were doing they have a show called Legendary that they were doing at Queens Brewery, mm-hmm. and so you know the social distance we got masks on. There was a show there, so that's kind of where I've been. There's a club doing park shows. I haven't done any of those though. Mm. But, you know, I've done some, I've done the rooftop, I did a rooftop show like Wednesday. Okay. So, Mm -hmm. and it's socially distanced, you know, and then I'm doing, I'm at going to be at a, the Levity Live in West Nyack for a drive-in show. Oh, that's dope. So what's so interesting is like, it's it's at the drive-in theater and they just set their radios. Like when you watch a drive-in movie. Yeah. And then the jokes are straight in your car. So I've had a couple of friends do them. So I'm excited to try that. Also, I guess it's a way to start bringing these drive-in movies back. Maybe that's what, something that we can start doing at drive-ins. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they brought them back. I know, like, um, I talked to um, M- Michael B. Jordan did some during the summer in Newark. Um, They, they did a, a series. I think it was June or July. Um, It's slowly, slowly. But, yeah, it would be great to have that experience once again. I wanted to ask. I'd seen a tweet on your, your, your account about... uh. Your love for Leah Remini. Oh, I love her. Where where did that? Because I'm I'm a lot. I mean, I was a fan of hers. I feel like I'd seen her on TV before Saved by the Bell, but once you know she was Stacy on Saved by the Bell. But like, was where did your love for her really start? Listen, she just seems like anytime you see a white woman that's been wearing acrylic nails for that long. <laughs> that's fucked. That's fucked. And she always talks like she's not here for your bullshit. Like she just gives me. Like, and I don't want to offend my people, but she just, a lot of times, she just gives me, like, just strong black lady vibes. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. she low-key does. Like, it's not, you know, and I don't like to attribute that to everybody. Of course. But yeah. she just kind of gives me one of those. Like, I remember her reality show. I loved her reality show. Mm-hmm. But she always just seems to be, like, one of the, let me tell you something. <laughs> like, I, I love her. Right. I love her. I also love Drita Devanza. So mm. from Bob Wives and you know, I love Big Ange. Shout out to mm-hmm. Big Ange. Mm-hmm. Always gotta give a shout out to Big Ange. But like there's just so, there's just certain people that you see, you're like, yo, man, I wanna hang out with this chick. Right. I wanna fuck like I just something about and then watching her Scientology show. Right, yeah, yeah. And knowing crazy. that they be acting a fool and harassing people, and she just got in that man's face and said, Come with it. I don't <laughs> care. She's a G. She's a real She's G. She's about to take down a billion dollar. Right. Yo, man, I ain't got no problems with them people. I don't know nothing about them. I'm from the South. I'm a Christian. I don't know nothing about y'all got going on there. That, that, right. that. But that's how I told you. I don't know nothing about that. But Leah Remedy said that man got in her face and said, I'll destroy you. And she said, come with it. I was like, you know what? You got to respect. That's a G move. Fact. That man got billions. Big and Leah fact. Remedy said, and? And what? Say, what say something else. Say something come on. else. Come on. <laughs> I, I wish we could do another hour, but I did want to ask, because again, I mentioned, you know, what the 
chick fight that's going to be coming out in November. Yes. I was wondering what you, you, you're, you're able to do a lot of podcast stuff as well as, you know, voice work stuff for the great North, you know, at home, you know, it's, it's a, it's a real blessing to do that. But are mm -hmm. you, are you making plans, you know, with chick fight coming out? Are you planning on doing like more acting? You're trying to get more into more film. Are you trying to do that now with the pandemic, things like that? Well, I think it's so interesting. People always ask me, you know, you're going to get into more acting. I was acting first. Right. Okay. Okay. I have a theater degree. Right. 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 So I've been in 20 something plays, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. bunch of like, you know, same number of like musicals. I've done, I've done at least, right. at least 15 children's shows. Okay. So okay. it's just, you know, and I did like, I did a show, I was on Resurrection, the one episode of that. Mm -hmm. Just got a dollar and two cent residual check from that. Right. And my mama said, cash it. Right. <laughs> um, you know, I did two pilots before. So it's not me getting into acting. It's me going. It's continuing in acting. Right. Going, you know, getting, going back to what the original goal was. Right. Okay. You know, stand up came up out of nowhere. The goal mm -hmm. was to always act. Oh, work. Okay. So Chick Fight was great. Marlon Ackerman's amazing. I got to meet Dominique Jackson, Alec Mappa, uh, the gorgeousness that is Kevin Nash. Mm -hmm. <laughs> People you love know. Kevin Nash. People love that that man. Yeah. Fucking love Kevin Nash. <laughs> oh my God, I've been loving that man since I was fourteen years old. You, wait, are you? Are you a oh. wrestling fan? Are you a wrestling fan? I love. Let me say, I'm from Atlanta. So okay. mm -hmm, WC mm -hmm. like TB everywhere else in the country, TBS was a cable station. Right, right. In Atlanta, it was a regular TV station because that's where Ted Turner started it. Right. And then he started the WCW and the WCW power plant where mm. they would train in Atlanta. Right. So right. every Saturday was WCW Saturday night. Mm -hmm. And every Saturday at 6 p.m., I would be in my house with my notebook, writing down all the matches. That's Love. amazing. I Love wrestling. Also, people want to act like everybody didn't fuck with wrestling. If you say Ric Flair, if right. you say Hulk Hogan, right. everybody knows who these people are. Right. If you say The Rock, I mean, there's a lot if of people that came If you say The Rock, yeah. if you, you know, John Cena, all these other new, like, all these other new people, like, because people always like, wrestling's fake, wrestling's fake. Listen, the outcome of the match may have already been planned. Right. But you cannot fake getting hit with a folding chair. 100%. You can't. Right. Right. You can't fake getting hit with a folding chair. You can't fake jumping off a ladder and fall and going through a folding table mm -hmm. onto another human being. It's you can't. Not, it's not how that works. No, it's not no how works. they're all stunt men. I was talking to Kevin Nash. He's had so many surgeries, mm -hmm. and you know, and it, and it's and he worked for so long, but it's like I always because it's like people go wrestling is fake. I'm just like, no, 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 no. This is a male soap opera. Yeah, that's yeah. what wrestling was. Mm -hmm. Wrestling was a so the idea of the fact that there is a heel. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Talk about it. Talk that's about a it. character choice. Like that is we are going. You're the heel now. <laughs> you're the bad guy. We get it, but we're trying to check. Like when Hulk Hogan started Beijing in his beard, and all of a sudden mm -hmm. he was a bad guy. <laughs> also, force use. We should have known that Beijing was going to be a problem. We saw Hulk Hogan right with right. that Beijing beard. <laughs> Facts. Big facts. For the non-black people that are listening to this, don't type in Beijing because you'll get a city in China. Yeah. Type yeah. up Beijing hairline, Beijing beer, and you will find out what the campaign is. Right. right? But 
Yes, I love wrestling. I love Kevin Nash, and I'm eating. And I didn't realize the man was seven. Like one of my favorite moves when he would throw his leg up at somebody. Right. All that leg, like he, <laughs> when he was sitting in the makeup chair, we were in the makeup trailer. His first day on set, and he's like, "Hey, I'm Kevin." And I'm like, "I know." <laughs> Couldn't function. He's so tall. He was sitting down, and he was still taller than the makeup artist who was standing up doing his makeup. That's great. <laughs> That's he's nuts. sitting down and he's right. taller than Vettel who was doing his makeup. <laughs> so, and he is the sweetest, sweetest band. So like him and Alec Mappa's in the movie. So mm-hmm. after like the first day of shooting, I'm at a Longhorn Steakhouse with Kevin Nash and Alec Mappa. And I was like, what's my life? I'm in Puerto Rico. It sounds like a joke. I'm yeah. in Puerto Rico at a Longhorn Steakhouse with Kevin right. Nash and Alec Mappa. Does that make <laughs> sense to anybody? No! Right. And it was one of the greatest nights of my life. It's so great. Fact. Sitting there drinking wine, eating appetizers. <laughs> I guess finally, you know, when, when you bring that up, I, for for you as as a woman, a black woman in this field who has a voice and is, you know, has traction and, and, and is making, you know, a lot of, you know, important moments happen for yourself, but as well as, you know, being on like, you know, again, Daily Show and, and, and Great North and things like that. What do you want to build or contribute as a black woman in the world of comedy, or, you know, if, if you don't want to get too deep with that, what are some gems that, you know, other black women who might aspire to be a dual say, what are some gems that you would like to impart with them uh, before we get out of here? I think for me, it's like, I was doing this thing for the Lyndon B. Johnson library. They have a summit on race every year. And you know, and it was like, it was a panel. It was me, Sashir Zameda, Aparna Nancharla, and uh, George Lopez. Mm-hmm. And Aparna actually does the voice of Moon on Great North. You know, they talk about, you know, our stand-up being political and this, that, and the third. And I was just like, our stand-up, I'm not talking about politics. I'm rarely talking about politics. But me going on stage, being myself, telling you about my experiences as a black woman in America... Y'all see it as political. I'm just telling you about my existence. I'm just telling you how I walk in nature. But for you to hear that, because you're used to these white boys talking about whatever nonsense they be talking about, it's seen as subversive and it's seen as political and it's seen, you know, we're not trying to buck the system. I'm just trying to make you laugh and I'm just trying to tell you how my life works. That's all I'm doing. Because I'm not, listen, you think I'm really changing my, you think I'm changing hearts and minds talking about dicks? No. Right. And I just started talking about him because I just got to the part because my manager was like, hey, you're going to talk about a lot of the political stuff that you post online. I said, no, Reg, I'm in my dick face. That's where I've come to as a comic. I'm in my dick face. And that's what I'm talking about. But that's not the only thing I talk about. Right. And it's, I don't see just us being ourselves. Like the fact that it was a political statement in the 70s, we started wearing our hair natural. Mm-hmm. All we did was just stop pressing our hair. Right. And it's a problem. And it was, they had to pass a law called the Crown Act in New York. So you couldn't be discriminated for wearing dreads, you know, for wearing locks or wearing your hair braids. And that, like, that's just us being ourselves right. Right. is a political act. So I don't see it as. You know, it's always so, I think it's it's still something to get used to when people, someone came up to me and saying, oh, you were funny, I loved your set. I'm like, oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. That I can take. But when someone comes up to me and they're emotional, as in 
seeing me on stage had a big impact on them or seeing someone that looks like me being a black woman, being a plus size black woman and being on stage and then being able to see someone who looks like them and see someone and they can relate to what I'm talking about and what I'm going through. I'm still getting accustomed to that because it is interesting sometimes when, when you when you're just living your life, walking in nature, doing your vocation, and you can impact someone's life when that wasn't your intention, right. is always something that I you have to get used to. Mm-hmm. Because I'm not, I don't see myself as like an activist, you know? Right. Like I was talking about, like when we got out of quarantine, somebody had asked me if you go to protest. I said, I can go to protest. I was too mad. Mm-hmm. I'd have set some shit on fire. I'd have set everything on fire. Yeah. I'd have been walking through the streets of New York with a wagon full of Molotov cocktails and just handing them out to people, going, burn this bitch down. Fuck it. They got it for too long. We didn't need me. Right, right. Because I was not going to help the movement. I would have been trying to burn shit down. Please let me stay home. Because I knew (laughs) how upset I was. I knew Mm -hmm. how angry I was. And I knew how the perception of any destruction. You care more about property than you care about us. Got it. So since I don't see myself as super political, it's always interesting when people see me, unless I'm on Daily Show talking about politics, you see me this way because me even telling you about my experience and it's just saying, this shit ain't good. Well, you know, no, bitch, you know it's trash because you don't want to do it. So I would say for anybody who wants to do what I'm doing, like doing Mm -hmm. like stand-up especially, Mm -hmm. The biggest lesson that Big Kenny gave me was because he's the one that got me into doing stand up because I didn't want to do it. He pushed me mm-hmm. and I ended up being good at it. And it's always crazy for someone to see a talent in you that you didn't see in yourself. Right. Right. But I was a year in and I just was feeling like stifled. I was like, I don't know what I'm supposed to be talking about. And he was like, as soon as you start talking about yourself, that's when you're going to that's when you're going to get to where you need to be. Mm-hmm. And I did just start talking about, you know conversations I had with friends and things I was thinking about and stuff like that. And then that's when stuff really started to like pop off for me. So mm-hmm. that's the kind of just where I've stayed. Mm-hmm. I, I think, I think that's a beautiful thing. And I think, you know, for, again, for anybody who, who adds politics to that conversation, you can tell where their mind's at. But I think again, just you being you and speaking in your voice to the people is necessary, especially at a time like this. So do say, thank you for that. Thank you for everything you're doing, including that black ass show. Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate you for coming to the Watch Less podcast. I hope I hope you enjoyed yourself. I had fun. I did. I had lots of fun. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Thank you. All right. Welcome back. Dulce. Really appreciate you, friend. Um, that was a great conversation. I wish I had known about her love of pro wrestling before it i i don't i didn't want to turn this into another david arquette episode but uh yeah shouts to her for indulging me a little bit on a uh, pro wrestling as well as just coming through and having a good time uh fraser tharp my guy i hope you're doing all right out there for fraser i am cal as always advising you every wednesday the watch list podcast drops on apple music spotify google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast 6 a.m so please uh tune in if you like Again, if you fuck with movies and television, this is the podcast you need to be checking out. Shouts out to all of our normal listeners, our regular listeners. Anybody new, 
check the archives. We've got a lot of, a lot of fun conversations, both with guests like Dulce, as well as, you know, some, some episodes of me and Fraser just going back and forth about our love of movies and television. You can get in a conversation with us at complex pop on Twitter and Instagram. Don't be on no nonsense. You know, we, we want real conversation, not no bullshit. And uh, again, for Fraser Tharp, this is Cal advising you as always to tune in keep that damn ma- you it, i know some of you guys are going to theaters now guys and girls you all are going to theaters right now Ten, it's going to be out if your theaters are open and you don't have a mask on you got to rectify that and you probably should get a test too just just please be on the safe side and watch less peace watch less is hosted by fraser tharp and myself cal our producer is taliba newman our associate producer and sound engineer is Jasmine Plata. Our editor is Tyler Boltheis. Our production manager is Chancel Correa. Our talent booker is Anthony Allred. Our junior booker is Austin Bailey. Our director of talent relations is Kristen Price Harrell. Senior director of operations is Jen Stewart. The watch list is a part of the Complex Podcast Network. When your skin feels nourished and glows, you radiate confidence. Osea makes giving your skin a glow up easy with their clean, clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This seaweed-powered duo features two of Osea's best sellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com, code GLOW.